Welcome to Wise Women Speak with Linda Pritcher and Lana Bastianuti, where we give voice to the wisdom in women. Hi, Lana. Hi, Linda. This morning we have with us Elizabeth Finney. She's a certified personal trainer with the American Council of Exercise. She also holds a specialty certification in fitness nutrition with the American Council on Exercise. She's an affiliate of the American College of Sports Medicine, and in 2013, she co-authored The Expert Success Solution, an Amazon number one international bestseller. Elizabeth's passion is fitness after 45, and her mission is to inspire people to take control of their own aging through diet and exercise so that they can live an extended quality of life well into their 80s and 90s. She created Bodspear, a meditative strength training technique. Bodspear has proven to enhance strength, mobility, and flexibility, and allows practitioners to often do activities with ease that they had previously given up on. We are looking forward to our conversation with you, Elizabeth. And I'm going to start off being curious. I, I was thinking about how most of us, like, dabble around a bit before we decide what we want to do. I know some people will um, maybe at age 10 decide, I want to be a doctor, and then they become a doctor. But for a lot of us, we, uh, we weave our careers together in some way by following some inspiration, maybe some direction from other people. So I'm, I'm curious how you got to be a fitness expert. What were the early indications that this might be true? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. This is very exciting for me. My first career was in the travel industry, and I was fortunate to travel all over the world and do wonderful things. And towards, I was in the incentive travel industry, which is like the top 3%. It was very exclusive, very high end, and there weren't that many around at this, this time that had that level of expertise. I had been in it for like 10 years, which was a long time in those days. So um, I started speaking, I started teaching. I opened up my own company in Boston, a destination management company. So incentive companies called on me to operate their programs in Boston. So I was like the incentive expert in Boston. So I started training the hotels and training the catering companies and the decorating companies to understand better why incentive was different and how to make incentive unique. So fast forward into my mid 40s when I took on fitness because I was 45, my youngest was five years old, and I thought, my God, if she waits to 40 to have a child, I'll be 80, and I want to be able to play with that child. So that got me into fitness, and I worked at it and studied and got my certification and started training with clients, and I knew very consciously at that time, now you've got the learning curve, and all you have to do is learn as much as you possibly can, and when the time is right, you'll be back on that stage again. So now that's where I am heading now as I am finishing up my book called Thrive to 95. And it's all the lessons. It's not just about the fitness exercises and, and exactly what you need to do to be fit into 95. It's also about the theories and the techniques and the thoughts and the changing of your mind that you need to do in order to be successful at thriving to 95. Because the incidentals of diet and exercise are just one part of it. It's really much more your your mind and your mindset that's going to get you there successfully. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And I think 
what you're indicating is that lots of fitness experts and people in the health and fitness area are really focusing on that piece alone, and they're not combining it together with the importance of your mindset. Right. And, and, it's, and there's tons of stuff out there. You know, the fitness industry is a business, and they'll create every widget they possibly can to get one more person off the couch and get another person off the couch. And needless to say, with the obesity epidemic that we have, there are hundreds and hundreds of millions of people all over the world who desperately need to do something. So if there's some little Zumba class that's going to work for you, well, then go take that Zumba class. Because yeah. it's really about it's getting moving and it's allowing your body to to be able to do the things that you want it to do, you know, but you can't keep taking from your body, which is, which is, you know, one of the things that I try to teach is that we use our bodies on an ongoing basis from the moment we put our feet on the ground in the morning to all day long. And we take from our bodies and we just expect our bodies to perform the way that we're asking it to perform. And so therefore, what are you giving back to your body? to allow it the freedom to do what it is that you're asking it to do. You know, there's a relationship there. There's, the, there's, you, there's a give and take. And unfortunately, most people take and take and take and take and take with no consideration of giving back to your body. So and what my suggestion is always, you know, people go, or it's a lot fitness, okay, you can do 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the afternoon, 10 minutes at night, and that's good enough. And it's like, nah, I don't think so. So my philosophy or what I try to teach is to, for people to give an hour a day to their body. Now, ideally, 45 minutes of that will be in movement or, or exercise of some sort and 15 minutes in meditation. And if you can do an hour in exercise, better. But don't forget that 15 minutes of meditation because that's another part of giving to our bodies. So then when you have that give and take, and all of a sudden, it, ideally, if you can do it at the same time every day, and your body's geared for it, so when you get up and you put your feet on the ground and you put your workout clothes on, your body is just getting jived because it's going, oh boy, we're going to go take that walk, you know? And it, it, your body responds so much better when you're giving back to it. So that's, you know, part of why it's important to think differently when it comes to exercise. With a lot of people who are not in the habit of exercising, it's just not part of their routine or they hate to sweat. How do you get them over that that mindset? Well, here's the, the funny part. Um, I don't like to exercise. I am not one of those people who just can't wait to get up every morning. I'm just like everybody else. I don't particularly care much for it either. However, what I do know on a conscious level is what it feels like to do it. So, and I also know what it feels like when you don't do it. Mm. So it's that mindset. It's putting your mind forward in what's it going to feel like and what's it going to do. And to think in that moment of the aftermath of now the walk is done and you've stretched out. Now, how do you feel? And your whole body will be invigorated. So the more often you do that, the more inclined you are to continue to do it. So to get over that, Ugh hump is really um, to go through the motions of just getting dressed, getting the clothes on and getting out the don't even think about it and get out the door. And once you start the first five minutes, you're, you're cool, you're good, and you're ready to continue that particular routine. And then the next day, 
and then the next day. So it's really, it's a, it's a mind thing. You got to think about it. You got to, you got to envision what it's going to not look like, but what it's going to feel like. What is it going to feel like? Because when we can feel stuff and we can anticipate, that's when we change behavior. We don't change behavior just by doing things over and over in a different way. We change it by thinking about how we're going to feel when we do it. That gets over the hump. Mm. And it's the feelings. So was there a time in your own life where you just did nothing? Oh, God, yeah. And so what was the turning point for you? Like, what was that insight you had? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Well, um, there was a point. Um, I lost my son nine years ago. And for a year, I didn't really do much of anything. I kind of went way off diet. I maybe worked out once a week. And because I really didn't care, you know, because you lose a kid, let me tell you. So I didn't do anything. And after a year, I literally heard his voice in my head say, all right, Ma, you've had your year, get off your ass. And it was like, okay. And so that's what started me again. So now that I don't wish that on anybody as far as their turning mm -hmm. point. Um, but what I did once that inspiration hit me, so once it's, it's finding that point of your own personal inspiration that's going to kick you, and then it's doing what I was just saying. It's just, just start just do it and when and and if you need to be one of those gradual people then just do it five minutes a day but get into that six days because it's five minutes a day that you're giving back to yourself and then do that for one week the next week give yourself 10 minutes because really when you have the rest of your life there's no real hurry here you know you can take stuff on a gradual basis because before we know how fast a year can go right so it's within a year you'll be well on track. You will have lost weight if you had weight to lose. You'll have routines down. Your hydration will be better. Everything will be better. But it's just starting, you know, and, and kicking yourself and doing it. It is often those big moments in life that are those turning points where you really get down to the basics and you can hear that common sense within you. Oh, yeah. Whatever that voice is, right. you know, that's coming forward that's saying enough. This is what you need to do. Right. And you just know in that moment, that's it. That's that it. That is what you need to do enough. Right. Exactly. Well, just like when I was 45 and I thought, you got to exercise. That's all there is to it. You got to exercise. And exercise had always been, or health and fitness, ironically, had always been in my C pile. You know, when you're in business, you have an A pile, a B pile. And so, okay. Well, it was always in the C pile. So I always had the magazines and then I kind of read them and then I throw them out and so, and I mean, I have, I have a, you know, a, a trampoline, a mini trampoline, and my four by six foot mirror in my studio is the same I had from 1981. Mm -hmm. Because that's, you know, that's really when I started when I was in Boston and had my own business and, uh, you know, my condo and everything else. And I just would start to exercise and then it would go away. But it was really when, at, when I turned 45 that that really things kind of kicked up. Yeah, it is interesting how there's just a moment when you have an insight and it can power you forward through an awful lot and lead to new paths which it did for you oh completely yeah well and that and and not only in that moment but um my son is is uh, was a uh, a funny funny guy a great sense of humor we had a very good relationship we certainly had our tumultuous times as parents do and with kids but um so, but, but since it's passing, 
as he says, we talk more now, mom, than we ever did before. So we have multiple back and forth. Um, and, you know, whether it's in my head or not, it really doesn't matter um, because the end result is the same. So um, and he's very much my um, my empowerment to move forward with where I'm taking my career and and getting my voice out there and trying to help other people understand how to do this whole thriving to 95, um, how you can grab grab onto the uncertainty or grab onto the, the elusive of taking on eating healthy and exercising on a regular basis and hydrating enough and getting enough sleep and meditation and all these things. Um, he's very much my, uh, I can't say, he's my rock when it comes to this stuff because um, when you survive the loss of a child, you can pretty much do anything. So that has become my, that's my guts and that's my moving forward is realizing, and actually the second day, the day after he died, my beloved friends were at my door. We went out to Amherst, which is where he was in school. And on the ride back, I burst out laughing. And they're going, because none of us had been through anything like this. So they're all going, okay, what's going on? And I said, oh my God, this is a parent's worst nightmare. I'm supposed to be this strong? So I knew in that moment, the day after he died, that there was something that was going to happen in my life that I had to be ultra strong for. Now I'm 65 and moving forward at a much more rapid pace. We don't have to be victims to whatever typical aging is. Now the media would love it if you would just be sit back and start popping pills with every single issue that would go out, not just the media, but certainly the pharmaceutical companies, yeah. the doctors and everybody else. The whole healthcare industry, another business, is in business to make money. So there is a whole world, and I want everyone listening to understand this, there is a whole world of people who have complete control over their aging. A whole world of people who exercise and who eat right and are for the organic movement and against the GMO movement. And there's so many of us out there that you will certainly find community. You know, you're not in this alone. There are, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of us already doing this. And the more we are, the healthier our nation can become to take care of a whole lot of these other issues that are standing forth with us. Yeah, and if people are healthier within their bodies, they're also going to be healthier in their minds yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It does go together. You, um, you started a program, Fitness After 45, and that's your meditative and strength training and flexibility program. So what's, um, what does that encompass? How does that work? You work with clients, I, I work know. with clients, yeah. Mm -hmm. I do clients in one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and I wanted to work with people after 45 because that's when I started. I knew that I had to create a strength training technique that was different. People don't like to work with weights. Like I said, I don't particularly care for it either. But it is a means to an end. And as I say, the fitness industry has created all these sorts of, you know, hanging from the ceiling, <laughs> you know. There are tons of different ways to get stronger. And when I started at 45, I just used weights and machines. And that was the most efficient way to work one muscle group at a time. People get bored, I don't care. To me, when all of a sudden you're doing squats and bicep curls at the, at the same time, your brain is going, okay, do you want the legs? Do you want the arms? What, tell me what the priority is here. 
So in my classes, we just do one thing at a time. There is an exception to that, but it's okay. It's simpler exercises. But but basically, so one major muscle group at a time. And you, you strengthen it, you stretch it. You strengthen it, you stretch it. So I knew that that had to be made a little bit more exciting. And the standard in the fitness industry is to exhale during your exertion. That's just the most efficient and the healthiest thing that you can do. So with the bod spear technique that I've created, first you breathe, and then you incorporate the movement into the breath. So with bod spear, you exert during the exhale, and you release during the inhale. So it's the same physiology, but it's allowing the breath to control the pace of the movement. And by doing that, everything slows down because you breathe slower. When you focus on your breathing, you take longer, deeper breaths. So when everything slows down, you don't need such heavy weights. And when you don't need heavy weights, then you don't have to compromise your joints. So it all works. So for aging, so, you know, I've got people in the class who don't use heavier than eight pound weights, and that's very heavy for them because they go slow enough that they don't need anymore. When it's hard on the muscles, that's good enough. And just keep letting it be hard for as many repetitions as you can. And that's good because you're going to get stronger. And I only know that because when I first started working out, I did Susan Powder. Remember Susan Powder? Oh, oh God, with the, right? Oh, with the crew God. cut and the white hair. And as far as my becoming a personal trainer, I literally had a woman that I had met. And to this day, I'm forever grateful. She just said, well, you know, you can do this for a living. I was like, whoa, really? She said, yeah, you could be a personal trainer. And, and it was like, oh, my God. And the light went on. Yeah. So that's when I knew that that was like, oh, because then I could be home. I could be with for my kids. I had a house with two living rooms. I can have a gym in the second. It was like it all came together. So, that's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. It just took that one thing, one, one person saying one thing. One thing. Yeah. I know. And yeah. I haven't seen her since, but we've been in touch. She had no idea she was that point of inspiration for me. I have a workshop called the Fitness Inspiration Transformation Workshop, the FIT Workshop. And in that, one of the on-paper exercises that we do is project our lives into the future. We, depending on what age you are, you literally put your, your, your mind, body, spirit into your 70s. Where are you going to be living? Who are you going to be living with? Um, are you going to be a grandparent? You know, are you going to travel? What do you want to do with your life on a daily basis? Will you be retired? You know, all these kind of personal questions. But to really put yourself there so that you feel what it's going to be like when you're 75 or 76. And then we do it again for the 80s and then the 90s. And um, I haven't found one person who likes this particular exercise to do, but every single one of them is eternally grateful because no one ever thinks about what is life going to be like in 85. You say even to people that, you know, live to 85 and they go, oh, God, I don't want to live that long. And it's like, wow, why not? I mean, if you're healthy and vibrant, who cares how old you are? That's right. And, yeah. and, and another question that I often um, ask people is, what is your death age? And it's like, my what? You know? <laughs> and it's like, your death age, when do, you, when do you plan on dying? And it's like, well, I don't have control over that. It's like, yeah, you do. And if you did, what should, and I actually, I have a client that I've been working with, and um, she came just yesterday, and she said, I've got a new death age. I said, what's that? And she said, 104. I said, whoa, that's mine. She said, that's why it's mine. Oh, and I thought, oh. Wonderful, <laughs> yeah. And I was inspired by a woman, Beatrice Wood, who was a sculptor from Ojai, California, and a woman way ahead of her time. And she died probably 15 years ago. But she was 104 when I came across her. She died at the 106. And it was like she was so dynamic. And I thought, I want to die at 104. 
and be that dynamic when I'm 104. So that's why my book coming out will be entitled Thrive to 95. And there was a lot of discussion. Well, I think 85 is more realistic. It's like, no, no, 85 is too common now. You know, they're predicting in, in, I don't know, 2030, there's supposed to be 600,000 people in the United States over the age of 100. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of people. Yeah. So and what do you want your quality of life to be at exactly. that age? I exactly. mean, medical science can keep us alive longer. Right. But can medical science alone keep us in good mental and physical condition so that life is full of joy and happiness and pursuits of exactly. all kinds? Exactly. And what is it? That's why, what do you want to do in your 90s? Do you still want to travel? Because you can. Do you still want to be driving? Because you can. You know, and it's, so there's, there's, a lot more that goes into it than changing your diet. What about those people who are a little bit older who don't necessarily exercise, but they have a physical condition right now that limits them and and their mindset is pretty low in terms of they say, this is not living, my quality of life is, is horrible, I can't see anything in front of me. Right. What? How do you... How do you handle that? Or what do you say to try to empower and inspire them? You do have two choices. One is is continue to quit and give up. So many more people than we've ever researched or understand are dying at their own hand. Not I'm not talking suicide. I'm talking making the decision to quit and making yeah. a decision not Giving to die. Giving up on life. Giving up on life yeah. and getting a disease and allowing that disease to be their vehicle as well as their excuse. Because when you're a victim of cancer, you're a victim of cancer. And so therefore, you are the victim, and it's not your fault. And to me, you know, cancer, which, you know, there are so many people who, God bless them, who have done everything they possibly can. And I respect that and understand that. But I also know an awful lot of people where cancer was the wake-up call, you know, and and the, the thing to, and so then they start to exercise because they know there has to be a way to feel better. And there's way too much information out there to not know that exercise is a way to feel better. I mean, if, if there's one thing I would say, oh, for everything, doctors also, you've got to exercise. You've got to get your body moving. You've got to get strong and flexible. That's number one. And then from there, you get into the, um, the meditation and the hydration and the sleep and everything else, all the other vehicles that you can use. When a person is so discouraged that's when the baby steps come in. You know, that's when it's, and one new thing that I'm going to slide in here, which is a vehicle that I use for um, meditation is 55 plus five. Like a lot of people are stressed to the nine. So I recommend that when you sit or do one thing for 55 minutes, then get up and move for five. Or if you're having trouble meditating, then just stop what you're doing and sit and close your eyes for five minutes and just breathe and then start again for the next 55. So for these kind of people, it's 55, then that five minutes every hour, just change your behavior, get up and move, go look at a flower, go you know, look at a beautiful picture, stare at a mountain, do something different, uh, listen to the ocean roar, and do something different that is outside of you, ideally if you can, in nature, and that helps us all feel better is when we can connect with nature. Go walk barefoot in the grass. I mean, the best thing you can do energetically to ground you into the earth, as well as just to help you psychologically to kind of undo all that negativity that you're living with. Connection and noticing. I think when we begin to notice things outside of ourselves, we listen to people more deeply. We're 
we create a kind of deeper awareness of what life is all about, then some of these things become easier because we have interest. We have interest in living longer. We have interest in connecting with people. I'd love to know in this big picture sweep as we come to the end of our conversation, where have you seen the wisdom at work in you along the way? Well, that should be a question I should have anticipated. You have to learn to love yourself and and be with other people who like you and who can laugh with you and enjoy life with you. To like yourself even more so than loving yourself to me is critical through this whole process because you're the only one there. You know, really, everybody else is just kind of added into your life. Angels, some of them, and, and some of them the opposite of that. And But they all add to and, um, and not take from your life because everyone's there in your life at the time they are for whatever reason they're there and you have to learn that lesson and move forward whether you like the lesson or not yeah and you listen to the wisdom within right absolutely and trust it and And trust trust it it. yeah yeah you gotta trust it and embrace it and be grateful for it so elizabeth if people would like to be in touch with you connect with you and learn more about the programs uh, that you have and your book coming up and uh, your speaking engagements how can they reach you? The best place is simply go to my website, and which is fitnessafter45.com, and go to the contact um, tab. And that's the best way is just to email me. Um, there is a ebook download there that for free, which is the seven steps to designing your physical future. And um, there's lots of stuff. Oh, my God, there's so much stuff there. <laughs> so by all means, visit the website and let me know. And I do, I will have a blog coming up um, this fall called Be Brave, Be the Butterfly. And um, I'll be announcing that probably within the next four weeks. So that'd be fun if you want to start reading that. Perfect. That. Thank you. Until next time, this is Wise Women Speak. Bye, Linda. Bye, Lana. You've been listening to Wise Women Speak. If you'd like to hear more, please go to wisewomenspeakpodcast.com or find us on iTunes.